Today we are starting a brand new series called Monkey See, Monkey Do. I love this, love the title. I love the, 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 the whole idea of the series because I'm one of those people, cat videos don't get me. I just wanted to let you know that. Cat videos don't get me. But I love watching primates make fun of and mimic uh, other people, right? I love watching little videos. I caught a couple. I grabbed a couple that I remember seeing that I just love watching uh, because it's this beautiful picture of the, kind of the mimicking image, the monkey see, monkey do, right? I love this one of the couple at the zoo and the orangutans kind of doing the, kind of making the motions, right? And uh, I just love it. And that was, that was part of the reason that I loved the, the title. The other reason I loved the, the way we were going to go with this series is because as we talk about it today, it's actually going to be something that we'll hear over the next three weeks, but we're going to introduce it today, is the idea of modeling and directing. Directing and modeling. That's, that's this whole theme of this particular series is what does it look like in terms of directing and what does it look like in terms of modeling. Now, this series is packaged more as a parenting series, okay, as a parenting series. But what we've noticed as we've prepared for the series over the last several weeks and months is that this series is really for everyone in the room. It's for everyone who is living out their faith in front of eyes that are watching you, all right? Somewhere, some, whether you're an aunt, an uncle, whether you're just, you know, you're single now, young single, whether you think you've got older kids and they've all grown, there are younger eyes. There's the next generation that is watching you to see how you live out what is being directed, how you live out and model what's happening in your life, and they're watching and paying attention to you. So it really applies to everyone, and that's how we're going to kind of approach the series. I'll give examples, probably a little bit more for, for parents, just because that's how we've packaged it, but I can promise you these, this is for everyone that's here, okay? I want to give you just a couple of, of, of quick verses that help direct us this morning where we're going. I'll tell you just very simple. Regardless of technology, regardless of advanced age, regardless of where we live in this world, uh, the call to parents, okay, the call to parents from God has been the same for 6,000 years, all right? It hasn't changed. We may have changed how we think we do it, but the, the actual call, what we've been directed to do from God hasn't changed. Here's just a couple verses to show you. This is from Proverbs 22. Read that word out loud. We want to direct your children onto what? The right path, which obviously means there's a wrong path, right? Nod your head. There's a wrong path. We want to direct your children on the right path. Then when they are older, they will not leave it. This is, again, the direction to anyone who's influencing and directing the next generation. This is in the Psalms. It says, we will not hide the truths, right? These truths, the absolute hope. We will not hide the truth of the word of God from our children. We will what? We will tell the next generation about his glorious deeds, about the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. This is what we have been directed to do. This is why the word of God was given to us. The inspired word of God was left for us so that we can have instruction, so that we can have direction, so that we can have examples in our life, right? That's what the Bible does. It gives us ideals and instructions to follow. Do this. Don't do that, right? It gives us wonderful examples. And when I say wonderful examples, I mean horrible, horrible examples of people who messed it up, right? But the examples are wonderful because they're horrible examples, but God showed up and intervened in their life, right? So that's the examples we receive. We receive the direction, instruction, examples from the Word of God. And we know this to be true, that training requires direction. 
Okay, so I'm, this is not an either or, just to let you know. This is not, kind of, I'm not combating these two things. I'm going to show you how they work together, directing and, and modeling. But direction is necessary. Instruction is necessary. We know that training, growing, training requires direction. Okay, when a baby, you know, is done crawling and starts to walk, you got to point them in the right direction, right? you got to help direct and guide and make sure they don't fall on something and kill themselves, Right? That's kind of the goal of, of early parenting. Uh, your independent toddler who wants to do everything on their own. I don't know if you guys have any independent toddlers, but they want to do everything on their own, and you have to, you have to help direct them how much cereal goes in there and how much milk goes with the cereal, right? Watching them waste milk, it's the most expensive thing to ever watch happen, <laughs> right? We're all, you know, many of you guys are starting back school. Your elementary school students are all going to be coming home within the next week or two and coming to you with help with their homework. And parents are, parents across the, the country are going to all say the same thing. Did you read the what? Did you read the instructions? Did you read the directions? Yeah, it tells you what to do. And our children still come like, ah, can you come help me? I will pick on her just for a moment this morning. My daughter is learning to drive. Okay, my daughter is 15. She's got her permit. She's learning to drive, and uh, and she rides with me because I'm a better driver than her mother. And uh, it's not. It's really not true. Not true at all. I'm just a little more laid back. Anyway, uh, Tra- Tracy helped her get her there. I'm taking her the rest of the way home. Anyway, she rides with me. But one of the one of the things she does say to me, which is great, she says, "Dad, even when we get when we start driving, she says you have to tell me everything. You have to tell me everything. Don't assume that I know." You have to remind me and tell me everything. I wish she said this years ago, right? <laughs> and so I'll tell her when we're driving. I'll be like, yeah, just up at the light, way up there. Yeah, we're going to take a right. Just, just a reminder. I'll say it two or three times. Because so, I'm, you know, I want to help build her confidence, right? Build her confidence in the direction and instructions that she is receiving and trying to hold on to. And listen, when kids get older, it doesn't stop. Okay, it doesn't stop. Your college kids, your young adults, like, it doesn't stop. You, they don't have to listen to you, but as parents and as people with influence in their life, you have to help direct them. Okay, not every credit application needs to be filled out, right? Right? You, 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 can't, you can't make X amount of money and spend X amount of money. You can't do that. If you don't work, you don't eat, right? These are all things you have to teach and train and direct and instruct, So we know this is true. We know that it's important. Now, sociologists have told us that there was a very big change that happened in our country. And again, this is different throughout the rest of the world. Many different people are going through different things. But in our country, there was a big, big thing that happened in the Industrial Revolution on the turn of the 1800s. And sociologists say that there was a big change in the household, in uh, parenting, because at that time, prior to that, in kind of an uh, agrarian culture, th- this was the idea that all families kind of stayed together. They were, with the, they were with each other kind of all the time. Maybe the father went off to work, but most of the time the family was together, right? And so whether they were farming and working their land or working someone else's land or just getting jobs, the, the, the kids were always with adults, always, you know, being led by example. They were learning their three R's, right? Reading, writing, and what? arithmetic, right? right? The three R's. That's, they were learning that there. But at the turn of the century, that turn of the 1800s with the Industrial Revolution, you know, the schoolhouse was formed, right? And parents and adults started to go off to work. And big changes started to happen 
And I really do believe, again, people can argue whether it's the good changes and the bad changes. I'm not going to argue either one of those today. I'm just telling you there was a big, big change that happened there. And there started to be a little bit more of of a sort of a hard line, a more defined line between the directing and the modeling than what used to be, especially in our country, in our culture. There's a little bit more of a defined line. And it comes out in different ways, and it comes out, uh, you know, in, in families in different ways. But there's a common phrase that I know every one of you has probably heard before, and I know that you know the answer to this, right? This is the common phrase, do as I and not as I. Okay, so we're going to say it out loud, right? Because I know everybody knows the words. Do as I what? Say. Do as I say, not as I. Do. There you go. You got it right. Do as I say, not as I do. And it, listen, Parents don't sometimes say this out loud because they know how dumb it sounds, right? They don't say that. But it comes out in all sorts of different ways, right? Listen, don't, you're a kid, I'm an adult, you don't understand. No, you can't drink that whole bottle of juice. Yeah, but you're drinking the whole bottle of your juice. That's mommy's special grape juice. Shut up, you don't understand, <laughs> right? Like, you can't, you can't do that. Like, there's a, there's, it comes out in other ways, right? It comes out. It's still basically the same thing. I want you to follow the instructions. I want you to do what I say. Don't necessarily pay attention to what I'm doing. I'm an adult. You're a kid. It's different. So it comes out. And again, a big part of our culture is continue to change and continue to change and continue to change. And that line sometimes gets really defined. It's the difference between directing versus modeling. Now, what I want to just kind of challenge you with is that even with this, Many, many families have, I would call them house rules, okay? And this is, good. this is not bad. This is good. I actually like this when families do this. Their values, their rules, whatever there may be. I got a couple examples offline for you. Uh, this is a simple, can be simple, right? This is a very simple one of the house rules or the family rules. I love the third one. I actually love the definition of be responsible. It says, accept the consequences of your actions. Apologize, ask for help, clean up your own mess, and think of others before you act. Isn't that good? Yeah, we'd love all of our children to do this, right? And so it can be really simple. It doesn't need to be crazy. Now, you can get crazy. You can get really uh, defined. I pulled this one from a mommy, mommy blogger. The house rules so far, okay? There are 39. I love a few of these, number 12, no fighting before mom gets coffee. Okay, that's rule number 12. Rule number 20, or sorry, yeah, 20, you have to wear pants when you have friends over. All these rules exist for a reason, right? All these rules. I love 32. 32 says, and this is just one of those, again, don't draw on anyone. Isn't that that just a good basic wisdom, like... Could have been more specific, but no, just don't draw on anyone, right? Good wisdom. So it can be simple. It can be sort of a little more specific. I actually like it when people do this with their values or their house rules. I think it's actually fairly good. But at the end of the day, it doesn't change the fact that for most of us, those lists of things, those things that we sort of state are all things that we would love for our children to do Right? That we'd love for them to do what we say regardless of whether they, we're actually doing them. And so I made a very quick list. made a very quick list for you to see. This would be, I would say, for a Christian home, that this can, kind of keeping it fairly simple would be a good list to have. Right? 
We want our children to grow up like this. We want them to love God. We want them to love God. We want them to respect others. We want them to share. That's when they're obviously very small, but share and be generous as they learn what that means. To speak the truth, to be truthful, to take responsibility, right? Take responsibility. To, to practice wisdom, right? Take in the information, process it, and actually make a decision. Practice wisdom. To be grateful, to live healthy. That's very important, especially in our culture. We want to help them live healthy. Keep promises. Man, this is so big in our culture of kind of the lack of commitments and the southern yes, you know, like, like keep your promises. And I love this, just always choose love. Like above all things, that choose to love. I think these are great directing things, okay? I really do. I think this is a great list, very general, that can help direct, direct the cho- your children or really just direct the next generation. But what I want to say today, and this is, where, this is really where the challenge comes for the series, is that directing is important, but modeling is actually the game changer. Modeling is actually necessary. Okay? Directing is important. Don't hear anything said today that it's less than or whatever. Directing is important. You have to instruct them. Trainings, direction is required to train up right, the next generation. But modeling, living it out, being an example of it is necessary if you really want it to take hold, if you really want it to be in their life and to take root in their life. Modeling is necessary. And it starts with us. And that's really where the rub comes in. The rub comes in because in order to model these things, I have to be doing these things. In order to model these things for my kids and to model these things for the next generation, I, it has to be true of me. It starts with me. And because that's the rub, because that's the challenge, many, many times people, again, think they can opt out of modeling. They can opt out. They, can, they live that. They don't say the words, but they live in such a way they're like, well, just do what's told and do what the instructions are that's good and don't pay attention to these few things that I do. And yet modeling, even in that, I, I tell people a lot, like, you're either a good model or a bad model. There is no option for a no model, okay? You're a good model or a bad model. And there is no option for a no model. You are living out your life. You are living out your faith. You are living out the instructions that you want to follow. And your children and other people's children are watching you. They're watching you. I got news for you. I I, I have a small group. My children are not just looking to me and to their mom for how these instructions are living themselves out. We've chosen to do life with some people and my children are looking at them. My, my son is looking at other dads in my life group, whether they want it or not, right? My children are looking at these other dads to see how this is being lived out, to see how it's being modeled. That's why I say it really doesn't matter if it's your kids or not. You are responsible with how you live this out and the instructions they receive and the modeling that you bring. Now, a long time ago, very, very long ago, when when God gave his people their instructions, okay, this is the time when they'd been, they'd been pulled out of slavery, and all they knew for 400 years was slavery. All, they were slave people. That's all they knew was slave rules, slave life, slave modeling. That's all they ever knew. 
And so the law came along, the Levitical law and, and, and God's Ten Commandments, and these were given through Moses to God's people as a way to help them be free, as a way to help them be civilized, as a way to set them up as an, a strong nation and a strong people. The law would come along and help them. That was the purpose of the law. And here would be some of the instructions that you'd see. You actually hear Jesus talk several times about using some of these words, but in Deuteronomy, you see the, the charge to parents and the charge to the adults in the community. He says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. This is to everyone. He's saying, listen, guys, this is your responsibility. It starts with you. You must start, you must, you must do this. So you'd hear Jesus use these words later as the, as the summary, if you will, and the great commandment, the summary of all of the law, of the whole 600 plus, the Levitical law and the elders, all of it. He would say, go back to this verse. And he'd say it starts there. Matter of fact, in Deuteronomy, it even tells you that it starts there. It says, you must, read the words out loud, commit yourselves wholeheartedly right? It starts, not only just starts with you, but it's a full commitment. You must commit yourselves to this wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. And then he gives the parents and the elders of their community these instructions. Repeat them again and again to your children. What? Like we talked about earlier, the wonders of God, the works of God. He says, talk about them when you're at home. And when you are, actually, I wanted you to read that part, sorry. Talk about them where? When you're at home, right? And when you are what? On the road. And when you are? Going to bed. And when you are? Getting up. And he goes on to say, tie them to your what? Tie them to your hands and wear them on your what? Forehead as reminders and write them on the doorposts of your house and your gates. Now leave this verse up for me. Uh, I just want you to know, this was written again to this society. Very, they, were, they were a slave nation. They were becoming free. Okay, So it's very simple. But later on, you would see some symbolization and you'd see some things come out of the Jewish culture that they took. They tried to take some of these things and make them a little bit more legalistic and a little more um, literal. And so sometimes they actually created little boxes that had string and they would put words in there and they would actually tie them to their hands, right? They would do that to their forehead and they had tassels and things they would wear as a part of kind of trying to live out this command. And yet, listen, I don't believe it was that complicated. Okay? This was not given as a list of things, a list of places and a list of things you, you could check off. Well, I talked about it at home, and I talked about it on the road, and I talked about it at bedtime, right? And, I, and, and it, it's, it was like, look, he's basically saying it's everywhere. It's every time. It's all the time everywhere. That's really the way it's, it's being set across. It's all the time everywhere. That's when I want you to talk about it. It's all the time and everywhere. If it was written today, it would put all of our little things in there. On the way to school, on the way to the gym, you know, at your coffee break, you know, it would, you know, throw out every example you could. It's all the time, everywhere. You're going to be living this out, repeating it again and again. Tie them to your hands means it should affect everything you do. It should affect every action you take. That's what tying the hands meant. Bind them to your hands. Jesus would say the same words in the New Testament. Bind them to your forehead was a way of saying, let it affect all your decisions. 
Like, let it affect everything you think and how you process and make decisions. And then, of course, it does say the, 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 the doorpost to your house and to your gates, that was a physical representation. It says, we want it to be seen. And I love it. I, I go in houses sometimes and see people, it says, you know, above the door, it'll be like, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord from Joshua. Fantastic. I love that. I love that it can be seen at your home and your gates. It, you know, that's not a bad thing. And so here is this call, this early call to God's people and saying, it starts with you and me. It starts with us modeling this to the next generation. All the time, everywhere. It should affect everything you do. It should affect every decision you make. And it should be seen in your home and when people come to visit you. That's, that was it. it was, I mean, again, simple, a little more simple than maybe they tried to make it. But modeling, that's the, that's the phrase that we're using, the idea of modeling. For us, the rub comes again is that it's us. It starts with us. And when we start to struggle as parents, and when we start to struggle with where our youth are today, when we start to experience this, we don't want to go back to the fact that it has to do with modeling. We don't want to go back to, we want to go back to, there must be something wrong with the instruction. There must be something wrong with the directing. There must be something wrong with what we're telling them to do. Versus modeling. Because when it's modeling, they don't just see the list, right? They see the list and they reflect it back to you. So every child is a reflection of how they see you live this. How are you loving God? You know, is church a, a once in a while thing? I've got to be honest with you. The, the, the adults in this country are leading the way in biblical illiteracy. Okay? You don't know what the Word of God says. You can barely recall what I told you what the Word of God says. Right? It's just true. But anyway, this is the reflection you're going to get back, is them reflecting you how you are living this out. How do you respect people? You know? Well, they hear you on the phone. They, you like to think they don't, but they hear you. Okay? When they hear you talk about their teachers, when they hear you talk about your boss, when they hear you talk about your ex, are they seeing how to respect others through you? Are they, did, your little entitled, you know, teenager, are they really seeing gratitude out of your life? Like, is that, are they reflecting back possibly a little bit of what they're seeing? It may not be fully true. It's not that you're not grateful, but maybe just maybe in your words and your actions, it's just not coming through clear enough to them and being modeled enough to them that they are able to be a reflection of it back to you, right? This is, this is the rub when it comes to modeling. This is the rub when it comes to why it starts with us first. Now, our children and the next generation are going to be their own people, okay? I'm not talking about smeared, like, you know, same spitting images. I'm talking about the fact that when they look to see if you are always choosing love, what does that look like? Right? 
They're looking to see how you respond and how you live this out. Because it's not going to be just the list. It's not, if our children could just do all this stuff on their own, wouldn't they be amazing human beings? Nod your head, right? Wouldn't they be great? Yeah. Well, let's start with you. Why don't you just be an amazing human being? Right? That's what they really need to see. They need to see you being generous. They need to be, see you giving up time. They need to see you generous with your resources. They need to see you respectful of others and telling the truth. You know? They heard you on the phone. This is you. Sometimes you'll see parents get caught in this. They'll hear you on the phone. Oh, let's get together tonight. That'd be great. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, Southern, yes. Yes, that'd be awesome. And the kids come later. I thought we were going to so-and-so's house. And you're just like, uh, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> Never intended on doing that. But you weren't being truthful, right? I mean, this is what they pick up on. They pick up on everything. That's why they are reflections back to us of what we are not just instructing them to do, but how we are modeling it to them. Now, I don't want this, this is, a, this is one of those messages that can be a little guilt-ridden, okay? People can walk away not feeling very encouraged or inspired, but really rather challenged and really kind of walk away deflated because they've really messed up. They've really messed up. Maybe they didn't live the way they should have been living up to this point. Or they feel like they've really been a bad model. Or they're the victim of and still trying to work through the fact that they didn't have a good model themselves. They didn't have a very good model for them, so they're having to work through some of those challenges. But if it's for you, I just want to give you just three things. If it's you, if you're feeling like you're the one who's like, man, I've, just, I've messed this up. I'm the one that fall here. I've not been modeling this, the, the instructions that I'm giving I'll just tell you, honestly, the first and foremost thing is that the best path back to helping model this in your, in your kid's life and the next generation is the best path is humility, okay? That's the best path, is just be honest about it with your kids. Be honest about it with the next generation. This is why a lot of people don't feel like they can serve in Kid Street or serve uh, in student ministry because they themselves know the screw-ups that they are, Okay? But humility is the key. That's why our mission is to humbly point everyone to absolute hope. We don't point people to absolute hope because we have it all figured out. We, we humbly point everyone to absolute hope because we know we don't have it figured out. We want to be humble in our path. That's the key. That was a wonderful movie, wonderful scene in a great movie where uh, this older gentleman really was just wasting away in his life, and he would felt like he'd screwed up stuff so bad in his life, and he was, um, he'd, he'd messed up so much in the past that he sort of cut himself off, and, and, um, and now someone knew he needed his help, and he, he wasn't responding, and he wasn't willing, and, and one of his mentors showed up. His mentor showed up in his life and began to challenge him, began to challenge him in, in where he was in terms of being messed up. It's a wonderful scene in this movie, and here's what the mentor said. He said, pass on what you have learned. Strength, mastery, yes. But weakness, folly, and failure also. Yes, failure, most of all, the greatest teacher failure is. This is obviously Yoda. It's wonderful wisdom, right? From the last movie. It's a great scene. Why? Well, because I could give you 15 Proverbs that say the same thing. But this moment was really key in his life because he really felt like he just... He was just washed up and couldn't be of use anymore. And his mentor comes back and says, you, you got half of it right. <laughs> yes, you're supposed to model. Yes, you're supposed to pass down the good things, but failure is the greatest teacher of all. 
Humility to share with the kids in your life and the people that are looking at you. Humility to be able to share with them how you messed it up when you were younger. Humility with, with, you, with your, your kids about how you didn't always get it right or, or in the moment when you said something angry or in the moment when you, when you didn't make the right decision, be able to go to them and say, listen, I really don't feel like I made the right call. Humility is the path. The second thing is that really, no matter what we do in terms of modeling, one of the reasons we model love God first is because we want them to put their hope and trust in God, not necessarily in us as parents. Here's a great, uh, this is from, from the psalmist, but it's talking about God's people when they were, when they were um, the generation that had come after God's people had been wandering through the desert. It says, the command, the, then command our parents to teach it to their children so the next generation would know and all the generations to come. Know the truth and tell the story so their children can trust in God. That's the goal. Never forget the works of God, but keep his commands to the letter. Heaven forbid they should be like their parents. Right? Bullheaded and bad and fickle and faithless bunch who never stayed true to God. Now, I'm not calling anyone here that today, okay? But we know that that's possible. We know that's true. And so even with bad examples in your life or even with no good examples in your life, the hope is that you trust in God. That's where we need to be pointing our children to. Again, in humility, not that we are the ones who have all the answers, but we know who does have the answers. Not that we can solve every problem, but we know who can solve every problem. Not the fact that we pulled ourselves out of the mess of our lives, but that we had a Savior who helped pull us up out of the mess of our lives. That's who we want our kids trusting in, is in God, putting their hope and trust in Him. And then my favorite last verse here, from 1 Peter, it says, most importantly of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love, read the last four words, covers a multitude of sins. Five words. You know, it, you're, I hate to say it this way, after challenging you all morning, you're really not going to get it perfect, right? You know that. Nod your head. Everybody with me? You're not going to get it perfect. You're not going to be the perfect, there's no perfect parents in the room. You're not going to get it right all the time. But Paul knew, and Peter knew, and John knew, and Paul said, there's faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is what? Love. When John said that God is love, and those who live in God live in love. When, when Peter says this, he's saying, when you abide and, and you, you share this deep love that God has given you with each other, it covers up the mess-ups. It covers over the multitude of sins. It can cover over the bad example you've been up to this point. It can cover the way you're going to mess up tomorrow when you send them to school. It can cover a multitude of sins when that's the love that's coming from you to your kids and to the next generation. So what's the challenge today? Well, the challenge is that just to remember, the directing is important, but modeling is necessary. As we go through the next several weeks, modeling is going to be the primary key that you need to focus on. That, that, that a lot of this, we want to see the next generation rise up. We want to see them be children of God. We want to see them live out everything that God's called them to live out. We want to see them become world changers and see them live out their dreams. But the reality is, is that they are still looking to you. And they're looking at everything that they're instructed to do through the lens of how it reflects back to you. Because you're the one they're paying the most attention to. 
Sometimes you don't think that. Sometimes you think it's friends or other, other influences. But I'm telling you, the statistics and all the studies show they are still primarily looking at you. The primary people in their life that are modeling this for them. Modeling it is necessary. Modeling it is necessary to see them really grow up and really grow into the people. That, that list and that we'd love to see them fully become. Let's pray together. Father God, I'm so thankful for your word and the, and the instructions that you've given us. And yes, Lord, the ideals and instructions you've given us, we can't even do those things without the power of your Holy Spirit actively at work in our life. But yet, God, you have given us, every adult in this room, the responsibility to model it for the next generation. Maybe they're our kids. Maybe they're our nephews and nieces. Maybe they're our friends, uh, neighbors. Maybe they're just the children in this church. God, you've placed it on us to not just direct, not just give the instructions, but to model it, to show them what it looks like and how they can love God and how they can respect others and how they can choose love and to be grateful and to use wisdom you called us to do that. So God, for everybody in this room, I'm just praying that you would have a, a moment this morning in their heart to begin to change, break down some of the walls that are there, begin to change and transform us to be more and more like you. Thank you, God, so much that Jesus came to be the model for us, to show us what it looks like to love one another. And you've called us to love others the same way. So God, I'm praying for every parent and every adult that knows there's people looking at their life. I'm praying, God, this morning that they would take it seriously. They understand that they are, they are called to model this and they want to be a good model. And it starts with our full commitment and surrender to you. God, we, again, can only do it by your power and your grace. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.